Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the major places where you can get your podcast content. Feel free to connect with us on Twitter at Longhorn Pod, the Facebook page, Longhorn Republic. There on Facebook, you, you can always shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. I also want to remind you of an opportunity to support a great organization with a great cause. The Texas Exus Houston chapter is going to have their Texas off week open golf tournament here in just about three and a half weeks. Uh, Saturday, September 28th at the Wildcat Golf Course. It's going to be a 9 a.m. shotgun style start for player scramble. Uh, the tournament and sponsorship information is over at TexasXus.com. But here's where the important stuff comes in. All the tournament proceeds are going to benefit the Houston Chapter Scholarship Fund. They can help somebody enjoy and have a great time at the University of Texas, where so many of us were able to have uh, a great time as well. Breakfast, lunch, on-course snacks, and plenty of adult beverages will be there as well. And the marquee raffle item, because it's not just a tournament, there's a raffle as well, is two tickets to the 2020 U.S. Open in New York. And you do not have to be present at the tournament to win the raffle all you got to do is go over to texasx.com to purchase your tickets and again you have an opportunity to check those out well my name is gerald goodridge i'm your host this week like i am every week and i'm joined by the first student at the seminary of culture under matthew mcconaughey kyle carpenter kyle how are you oh i'm fantastic and folks this is not a fluke we are coming to your ears twice one week remember we are now in our new format where you will get double the Gerald, double the Kyle, and quadruple the fire takes. We guarantee you at least baseline quadruple. So I, I'm I'm fantastic, man. Happy to uh happy to be back with you. So yeah, Kyle mentioned it, but in lieu of one like two and a half hour podcast, we bring you two shorter podcasts every week during the football season to just help uh, get get you the content that you so want in just such a, a higher quality format. So we are going to give us an LSU preview. The Bayou Bengals are coming to town. They are 1-0 over Georgia Southern. A lot of stuff happening in Austin. So college game day is confirmed to be there as well. The gates open at 5.30 in the A. Um, kickoff is at 6.30, so be there. You can check it out. The game has been sold out, and if you don't want to pay a mortgage payment to get a ticket, they are exploring some opportunities to have large screens at Bevo Boulevard, so you can incorporate and enjoy all of that stuff, even if you don't want to pay $1,200, $1,500, $450 for an upper, upper level ticket, which is just ridiculous. But this is a marquee matchup. One of the things that Chris Del Conte and, and Tom Herman are working together to establish is that basically every other year, Texas is going to have a marquee non-conference home game from here until the foreseeable future because Alabama, Michigan, all those teams, like blue blood teams are all on the schedule with home and homes, which is incredible. So Texas opens up, opened up as a four-point underdog against LSU. That line is going to move all week, which is ridiculous, uh, but... There's a lot of pageantry happening, Kyle. Game days in Austin for the first time in a decade. 
There mm-hmm. is so much to unpack, but really the, the thing I want to talk about first is like, how do you think a team that is still trying to figure out some of its identity, how are they going to adjust to the circus that's going to be Austin, Texas uh, on Saturday? Well, it, it's going to be an unbelievable environment. Every person I talked to this weekend when I was there was for sure going to be there next week. They, uh, There was no way they were missing it. They were bringing 10 friends. The, the stadium was, was very much packed uh, for a Louisiana Tech team that doesn't necessarily travel all that well. I can only imagine how many uh, how many folks from down in the swamp will be there. So Burn Orange fans need to be extra loud. But for the team themselves, I uh, it's going to be crazy. For a lot of the young players we have, it's going to be the, the most ridiculous environment they've played in. Now, you're, you're talking about guys who played uh, in, in Jerry World and state, you know, state playoff championships. So they've had big moments. They've already played a game under the lights in DKR. They've run out of that tunnel. They've touched the horns. It has happened, and they survived, and they did well. So the, the jitters are gone. But the one thing that, that really impressed me in week one was how much – you know, even though this isn't a senior-heavy, uber-experienced team, how much poise you saw from players. I think you're going to have some mistakes. It's inevitable. But I don't think that's going to be limited just to the Longhorns. I think that this team, how they react to those, if they get back up, keep their chin up, and get double down on the effort like we saw Colin Johnson doing on a, a you know, on a big uh, blowing off the press coverage, or we saw Jalen Green doing on a game-changing momentum, you know, jump ball that could have changed in the first quarter the trajectory of the whole game, coming back from plays where they get punched in the gut, which this LSU team is going to punch you. How they come back from that, how the chin goes up, how they respond when they double down will tell me everything probably in the first few series or at least by halftime of how I think this game is going to go. Yeah, and I think you say that, and I think that's true, but Tom Herman has also done something in the last two years that we didn't see in the three years prior, which is make successful halftime adjustments. So I think there's, there's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B there, which I think we'll know what Texas is made of, but I also think that there'll be some schematic adjustments there. But I think... I want to start the conversation backwards. We normally start with the offense and dovetail into the defense, but coming out of the, the LSU opener against Georgia Southern, Joe Burrow has kind of been the talk of the town in his development from year to year, because last year, Joe Burrow was an average quarterback with flashes of brilliance. And I think he's just going to be a consistently really good quarterback. Um, Joe Burrow did not play in the second half, but still managed to go 23 of 27 for 278 yards and not one, not two, not three, not four, but five touchdowns, 14 different uh, players were targeted or had a catch in that, which is just incredible. Uh, He connected with Justin Jefferson for 87 yards and a score. So the Texas passing defense, at least from the secondary, had some moments of brilliance and some moments of um, headbanging, we'll call it, uh, against Louisiana Tech. And so LSU has switched to kind of this up tempo spread offense. What do you what do you want to see from the secondary as they face off against a quarterback who, no offense to Jamar Smith, incredible player, but didn't necessarily doesn't necessarily have the pedigree or level of talent of somebody like Joe Burrow. 
Well, Joe Burrow is an interesting guy because I think we're, we're, we're seeing what he can be in this type of offense and in, in the blooming that, that probably he thought would happen in, in his career when he was recruited by Tom Herman to Ohio State. Herman knows this kid, knows him well, knows what he's made of and, and respects the heck out of him. Called he him Joey said in, his pre- in his presser today. Yeah, which, you know, that may be a psychological move. I appreciate that, Tom. No human being besides the guy on Friends has ever appreciated being called Joey. It's Joseph Burrow to you, sir. Um, which, by the way, Joseph Burrow sounds like a guy who would have been in like the, the 40s you know um communism scandals of, of anyways um so uh i think burrow is a good quarterback i think we'll find out if he's an elite quarterback i think being a good quarterback in the sec um is is a entirely different thing you know if he's a different quarterback than he was last year he could be in trouble but i, I also wonder if the true spread against a team that is you know, one eighty fifth the talent level that that they're going to see in week two against Texas is exactly what we're going to see. So it, I could see Burrow reverting, maybe not all the way back, but halfway back to where they are getting you know a run first to open up the pass game, just because they know Texas is so strong um, in the in the in the secondary, and um, they will challenge our corners. They're gonna they're gonna come after the the young corners, and Burrow is going to be good to find the mismatches and and, and make the plays, but. I, I'm still not sold that LSU's offense is going to be as big, as good as, you know, the three best big 12 offenses we see. Um, Joe Burrow could make me look like a fool for saying that he could come in and have another Colt McCoy, like, you know, 80% completion with five touchdowns um, game. But I don't necessarily see that being their strength. And if we can force them to do that and make them get away from the run and make Burrows beat us and have to be a Heisman caliber quarterback to, to get the win, then I honestly think that's a win for our coaching. staff. I, I completely agree. And, and, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think Joe Burrow will probably be the fourth or fifth best quarterback that Texas plays this year. Uh, Alan Bowman put up stupid numbers in the tech opener. Uh, Charlie Brewer in Waco. I think um, you've got Brock Purdy, who the rest of the Iowa State team is hot garbage, but Brock Purdy is still really good. Uh, And then the the jury is still out on Jalen Hurts uh, in Norman, but I think I don't. I wouldn't put. I wouldn't pick Joe Burrow over any of those four guys. Um, right. Not not on not on any given Saturday. That's for sure. And so I think that that to me is Texas. Texas is already matched up well. Well, they didn't play Allen Bowman last year. They played him uh, half of Allen Bowman or at least half of his lungs. Uh, but they beat Charlie <laughs> Brewer last year and they beat Brock Purdy. So Texas is. We'll call it two and a half of three against the the three better quarterbacks. So that's that for me. I feel good again. There's a lot of there's a lot of missing experience, but the talent for sure is there to match up with them. Yeah, I mean, and 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 again, you look at they're gonna have some good receivers. LSU consistently produces great receivers. They have a quarterback they feel comfortable with. So I mean. It, there is a better talent level. I think only OU can say they have a better talent, you know, skill position than LSU, or at least you know you can make the argument for. I don't think Tech um, or, or Iowa State or any of those fans would, would even make that argument. But again, I think just from a pure quarterback, you're absolutely right. The thing that, that I wanted to focus on, and again, is if you look at the rushing game that they were able to do against a Georgia State team that, that honestly, um, I mean, they they don't have a player over 300 pounds that lines up on the defensive side of the ball. Texas uh, put a, a freshman kid in Vondre sweat, as we talked about uh, out there for, for 30 plus snaps. And, and he, 
at 320 pounds looked like he could you know dance the ballet in his free time just a, just a wonderful looking big uh beef side of beef out there um next to Keandre Coburn you know th- there's there's more on that Texas defensive line even with three down than than they saw in week one and they only they had 122 rushing yards but on 33 attempts um which comes out to you know 3.7 if you take the sacks out of there 4.2 yards very SEC rushing numbers three and a half yards in a cloud of dust you know that's it's fine, but that's not world-changing against, again, probably the worst defense that LSU will play all season. So I think the perspective of the two teams that, that each played in Week 1 needs to be taken into account. And again, I think Texas Texas forcing forcing them to be one way or the other and, and playing into their strengths is how, how you watch a, a Todd Orlando masterclass. That's what I'm looking for, is, is how they funnel LSU into doing what Texas wants. And I think Texas didn't show a hand what they want LSU to do. I'm so curious uh, what we'll see there. Well, and I think the Texas run defense has not really truly been tested, um, and and that really right. neutralizes the strength of the middle of the Texas defense because a guy like Keandre Coburn is made to just eat up all of the blocks and let a linebacker blow something up. But on that same token, a guy like Malcolm Roach with guys like Joseph Osai on his outside shoulder, that's, that is a recipe for disaster for, for a lot of teams. And so I, I'm really interested to see how that works out because the Texas pass defense in some spots, especially from the out, kind of the ends and the linebackers looked really good. We put it in the notes here, but Joseph Osai should have had two interceptions. Uh, he only had mm-hmm. one, but still looked really, really well. It looked really good. Uh, Jeff McCullough looked solid as well in his past duties. Uh, that, that other linebacker spot is still uh, touch and go. It's okay though. And then Texas ran that star Wars kind of weird eight DB package and a guy like Chris Brown came in and played really, really well in run support mm-hmm. roles. So there's there's a lot of talent there. And I think, again, if Orlando can go into the lab and dial something up, if, Tex- if Texas forces Joe Burrow to beat them and Joe Burrow has a career game, then there's nothing you could do about that. But if Texas yeah. forces Joe Burrow to beat them, I think that's a position that Texas wants to be in because he's not he's not the Doc Holiday. He's not the guy that I would want in a gunfight. And maybe I'll be here eating my words next week, but I I I think the Texas defense uh with a week of prep is going to be up for the challenge. Yo burro Trans to, translates to I'm a donkey in Spanish. But again, I'll just say this. Texas, if they can do the two things that they did well in week one, and I think there's no reason that they can't translate those, four takeaways, again, we're going to call it three because of a ridiculous penalty, but three takeaways, um, winning that battle. They had the fumble recovery and the two interceptions. Um, and then winning the, the money downs, which is what we talked about in our season preview, that the defense has to get back to. When they were elite two seasons ago, they were elite at this stat. They held La Tech to 5 of 14 on third down. If you kind of take the freshman first game, you know, first starter, sophomore jitters out. They were three of 10 uh, after the after the first quarter on third down and in one of three uh, on fourth down conversions. They on money downs when defense needed to step up. They stepped up um, and held the La Tech defense. If they can make that translate into the way they play against LSU and if it's that uh, Star Wars defense or if it's a different look we didn't even see or some combo of that uh, that they come out with LSU and just bring pressure from all kinds of different places and neutralize the size of that LSU line by the speed that Texas defense has. Texas has a defense that, from what I saw in week one, will be as fast as any SEC defense that LSU sees all year. Whether they use that speed perfectly and they don't take bad angles and blow you know, blitz assignments and some of those things, I'm not as confident to say 
they're absolutely going to do that. But you line them up in a foot race, 11 on 11, Texas defense top to bottom is as fast as any that LSU will see this year, period, bar none. Now, Kyle, I'm not going to ask you to change your opinion because we've been friends for too long for me to think that would ever happen. They do play Alabama this year, and that's not a shot at at Texas, but um, just Alabama plays five, five, five stars deep at most positions. I'll just say this. As Tom Petty and or the Heartbreakers would tell you, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. I agree. I mean, come on. Tyler Owens, the guy runs like a a 4-1. He's our 11th string. Get out of here. So we'll move on to the Texas offense against the LSU defense. So LSU allowed just eight first downs against Georgia Southern. They were one of 12 on third downs, held them to less than 100 yards, 98 total yards with 24 passing and 74 rushing. Uh, They forced two fumbles that they recovered. Uh, Southern ran 50 plays to get to 98 yards, which is just crazy. So the LSU fans are talking about the number one defense in the country. I don't think that lasts, uh, but statistically speaking, as it stands right now, they're the number one defense in the country doing sarcastic hand motions and neck waving. So, the, the Texas offense looked solid against against Louisiana Tech, left some plays on the field, though, for sure. Uh, so, Kyle, what do you think is a key matchup for the Longhorns as it heads in to uh, this LSU matchup on Saturday? I mean, we've been parroting for six or eight months now. I mean, I mean, since since the Sugar Bowl really is the offseason, we needed needed to say something. And it's not just us. It's all of the entire Burn Orange faithful that we are – an in, or a mile wide and a mile deep at the wide receiver position. So we're going to test that. I think what I'm watching this week is to see truly can, uh, you know, Brennan screaming Eagles high school get two touchdowns like he did. Can he play in that slot and be the, the mismatch, um, you know, that, that he was in week one. I, I don't know that that's a guarantee, but I am happy to see him take that step up. Can Colin Johnson, take an All-American one-on-one and make the catch with his ridiculous size. Is is the, you know, uh, every single game of his career never dropping a pass, you can always count on him. And in that way, maybe a slightly better slot receiver than Lil Jordan Humphrey, but I won't get into that. Play from Devin, from Devin DuVernay where Sam knows he has those hands and what can he do after the catch? Can that be as much of a weapon as it was, especially early on in week one? I'm watching what our receivers can do. And then obviously... You know, Sam, you know, rope-a-dope. Who knows? Did he miss those throws to, to, to make LSU think he can't make them? That's a very optimistic and generous assessment. Um, but, hey, maybe it's an all-time rope-a-dope, and he's been saving that for this week, and he's going to hit some of those uh, those across-the-middle deep uh, to, to medium-deep passes that could spring for the game-changing long play. So I'm watching the receivers against LSU with two All-Americans and multiple NFL players on that defense, but two All-Americans specifically probably in that in that uh, defensive backfield. So this will be where we test our mettle and find out how good the wide receiving core is. This is going to be one of the better secondaries they play all year, which is which is big. And I think the other the other matchup we'll talk about is uh, the Texas offensive line, which was uh, one of the top offensive lines in the country against uh, Louisiana Tech, going against you know it gets a a LSU defense that's going to be pretty stout. LSU again is one of the best recruiting one of the best recruiting schools in the nation, regardless of whether or not they maximize all that talent. They always have a ton of talent. I think if you can get 
Cosme and Angelou and Parker Braun to repeat the performances that they had against uh, Louisiana Tech. If you can get those three guys to, to even get close to what they did, because again, Louisiana Tech was was overmatched talent for talent, which is fine. But I think if you can get those guys to play at that level against better talent, you still get a good result. You may not get a zero quarterback pressures. You may not keep Sam's jersey clean for most of the game. But I do think that if they can play at that level against better talent, I mean the the it's going to come out in the wash. And I think if they can open up some holes in Keontae Ingram is a little more patient. I think that's the thing that I really want to see is, is Keontae Ingram ran into the back of the offensive line a couple of times because he wasn't as patient and waiting for plays to develop as he should have been. He was still able to turn most of those into six or seven yards because that's what he do. But I think that, that, that for me is going to be an interesting matchup. If Texas can stay two dimensional and it starts in the trenches for me. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, I think you're absolutely and utterly spot on. I think there's millions of dollars to be made for Sam Cosme this week. I mean, I think his NFL, NFL stock there's there's going to be scouts watching this I mean I know he still has college career he's a young guy but he has just projected so highly and has flashed so brightly can he do that against the giant hog mollies they have three D linemen uh when they put three hands down that are all over 300 two of those play at two uh 350 um so you know just just big strong five-star swamp nasty men grown men uh who who are lining up next to him if he could show out and hold his own there then then i think that that you know there's there's definitely incentive for him and there's incentive for ellinger who you know the 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 pejorative it's it's i think lsu forgot the or didn't get the memo that you really shouldn't poke the bear when they said he ain't that good um yet again this week which again thank you so much all of you teams keep doing this every week Keep doing this. The guy loves a chip on his shoulder, and his coach loves it a thousand times more. Please give the bulletin board material every week. That's that's my my plea to all the I know the fans of the other teams listen to this to get their news. So please do that. It's great for us. Texas opened as an underdog. LSU's the higher ranked team, and they're taking shots at the quarterback. That to me spells a lot of. Uh, a recipe for Sam Ellinger to come out and hopefully he doesn't like play too aggressively and like hurt himself. Uh, Casey Thompson's good, but still needs some development as a passer. But I think the one thing we do have to talk about is, is that running back room. I mentioned Keontae Ingram who had a great game against, uh, uh, by my estimation, a great game, his estimation, not a very good game uh, against Louisiana tech, but Texas is paper thin at running back. Jordan Whittington is going to be out four to six weeks with and basically, he tore the abductor away from one of his uh, groin muscles, basically, which is commonly called a sports hernia, uh, or at least it's it's a re-aggravated injury from a sports hernia. It was repaired uh, last uh, last year in high school. I uh, was still dealing with some tenderness, so they're sending him up to, I believe, Philadelphia to to do to have the operation done by one of the best, if not the best, uh, in the country at that procedure. Which means that Roshan Johnson moves to number two on the depth chart. And so that puts David Benda, who was recruited to play defense for Texas, at number three on the depth chart. So it is a uh, it is a scary situation where Texas came into fall camp with a depth chart of Keontae Ingram, Jordan Whittington, Kirk Johnson, Danny Young, and and now they are. Uh, oh, and Darian Brown was was a guy that they were anticipating uh, at least at the end of last year. So five scholarship running backs. They're down to. 
one scholarship running back and two guys that were converted from other positions, which is a terrifying thing to have to say uh, out loud. Yeah, and even their—I mean, even their preferred walk-on, who would be number six on that depth chart, and Jared Smith was was hurt. So I mean, it's Herman said in his presser uh, earlier this week that it it is unprecedented, not even for him to have seen, but just to hear about this many injuries, and so. It comes down to Sam Ellinger is going to have to carry the ball. He I, I, he needs to be smart, and he showed in week one that he can slide. He can get out of bounds. He can run when he needs to and not when he doesn't have to. But there is going to be some times when, when we need those tough yardage. And and the other thing I just want to say is Keontae Ingram was, was on a pitch count his freshman year. We said this is his chance. When Whittington goes down, you're looking at one guy. No matter what the depth chart is behind him, right now it's Keontae's team, his position to lose. Oh. But they don't want to take any undue chances. He's going to get more than 11 carries. There's no doubt about that. I think Ingram gets 100 yards this game because I think he is as shifty a runner as I've seen. Maybe, all right, I'm going to say 80 yards. He gets at least 80 yards this game. I could see 100 because I don't know that I've seen better vision at Texas. The only thing I can think of is like a Jamal Charles uh, in the last 20-ish years. He just, uh, 15 years at least. He's He is a guy who can hesitate and find the hole. And against the LSU defense, it's going to be swarming um, and can bring guys like a Grant Delpit from the secondary that's basically Troy Palomalu. Um, you're going to have to be able to st- to start and stop and wait for a hole and make something. And where there's nothing, you slip just a little bit to hit it uh, a second later than it should be there. You need a guy who can play that jazz from the backfield. And so we're going to have to lean on both Ellinger and Keontae. We're going to, Keontae Ingram, we're going to need health from both of those guys. I mean, that's a huge caveat, but we're going to have to use them. This is when you play your cards. And I'm I'm really truly expecting that Texas leans on its ground game, even as bad and as dire as that situation sounds. I think there's a chance um, that we can see a truly special performance from a running back who's just waiting to really have that breakout game. So we're going to do predictions in just a minute, but, but you talked a lot about Ingram there, and I do think Ingram will have a good game. Uh, but I think the, the thing that people are not talking about, and I... I have this big spot in my heart for Roshan Johnson. He was an early enrollee at quarterback, learned the offensive system really, really well. Uh, and, and it's kind of a bigger kid, 6'1", pushing 200. So, like, he's got a bit of a running back's body on him. He was a dual-threat quarterback uh, in high school from PNG, which I have personal feelings on, but that's either here nor there. Um, and he he played a couple of spots and, and played surprisingly well. And that's only having been in the position. So on, on Monday at the Herman presser, uh, he said he had been in the position 10 days. So on Saturday he had been playing running back for seven days. And so he had seven days of, of running back play. And so in a non-contact Jersey this week, I anticipate Stan Drayton giving 100% of his time to developing Roshan as a running back and Roshan, uh, to, to probably his benefit in this situation is a perfectionist. And so I, I think that Roshan can be a, a weapon. I think it sucks to lose his red shirt this way, but I think that if Texas needs a guy, Roshan's a baller. He was a baller at Port and H's Groves. That's why he oh, yeah. was the what the number six dual threat quarterback in the country. Top 30 player in the state of Texas. Like, kid is talented. He's learning the position. And I think if he can hit the books, if he's able to really dial in and, and learn the position, I think Roshan's a guy who can give you a, a solid 20 snaps at running back and probably five or six decent carries to take some of the weight 
off of Ingram. But Gerald, I'm going to give you a number. You tell me if this number means anything to you. 38%. Do anything for you? Nothing. Benda didn't play a lot of running back. He was our third running back this week. Didn't play a lot his senior season. 38%, however, of the times he carried the football his senior season, he scored a touchdown. So, that being said, it seems very simple that if he gets, let's say, three carries, he'll have one touchdown. Six carries, two touchdowns. So I don't know what everyone is really worried about. I think most of, most of that was he was a short yardage back, so I think that's probably where some of that <laughs> comes from. But that's that's another conversation. So uh, we're going to do something new for these preview shows. We do we do the bang the drum and downing the 40 on, on our normal weekly shows. But uh, this, this week and for our predictions, we're going to introduce a, a short segment called Firing Smoking. This is going to be our predictions segment. So, Kyle, we're, we're each going to do one prediction. We didn't put him in the show notes uh, to kind of support prize and get some organic conversation out of it. So Kyle, what, what, where do you fire in the cannon on this week? Here's what I'm going to say. This, this series is, is a, is a historical one, but we haven't played a ton recently. Texas does lead the series all time uh, with, with nine wins to LSU seven. Um, I'm going to go back to, to the turn of the century to 1950. Um, Texas won that game 21 to 6. You look at the next game 34 35 to 14. LSU did win 20 to 7 and then Texas came back 20 to 6. That all happened uh, in the decade of the 50s. They didn't play again until the 60s when LSU won 13-0. So this is where you start to hear an LSU type score. LSU likes the low scores, if they if you score too much on them, you you beat them, and and that's kind of been the LSU mo against good teams in the modern era. However, the last time in two thousand three, when uh, one Nick L. Saban um, was the coach of, of LSU um, in the Cotton Bowl, uh, Mac Brown, North Carolina legend, twice over, um, beat the the Tigers thirty five to twenty, and I think that that is the template that this game happens. I think that there's going to be more points than anyone who doesn't, you know, watch weekly tons of college football would ever imagine. When you think an LSU team is playing, if you're a casual observer, you expect, uh, you know, 25 points, 30 points from both teams. I think that there is a good chance that both of these teams could score over 30 points in this game. And if it gets into that type of shootout, I feel much better about a Sam Ellinger-led team winning a Texas shootout in Austin than I do with Joe Burrow and what looks like a potent, but again, not historically proven LSU offense. So my prediction is that this is actually going to be a much higher scoring game than you would imagine. And also the caliber of both of these defenses would indicate because you have some good offensive coaches, you have some weapons, and I think you're going to just have some some offenses that are able to you know scheme and take some advantage and get some plays and score some points. I I see something similar. So my my prediction for the week is is somewhere in the range of two hundred seventy five to three hundred yards for Sam Ellinger through the air. Like that's that's my prediction for this week. I think uh, this is going to be a game where Sam Captain Sam. Uh, Sam I am, Sam the Ellen God, whatever you want to call him. I think he takes the team on his back, and I think he's not going to do it on the ground like he has in the past. I think Sam is going to look to complete those passes that should have been scores on Saturday against Louisiana Tech against LSU. I think Sam is going to 
show up. When, when, when the lights are the brightest, Sam Ellinger plays his best, and I think that's going to be something uh, that's proven out. I think Sam Ellinger last year had, what, four or five games. It was four games with 300 yards, and then he sniffed it a couple other times. Uh, so I think that that is going to be like – I think Sam Ellinger hits somewhere in the range of like 275 and three touchdowns as he leads Texas to uh, a pretty impressive offensive performance. Oh, man, I really like that. I, I can't wait to come back and, and toot our horns how those things are exactly correct. And we are uh, we are talking about 2-0. The, the thing I want to I say before we leave is College Game Day is in Austin this weekend. And we're looking for somebody's name to attach to the Firing Smoky segment. So if you listen to our uh, our Tuesday show, you heard us talk about Joe Ruiz uh, for Bang the Drum and how Joe got that uh, his name in the podcast is that when College Game Day was at uh, the Cotton Bowl last year, Joe went up to everybody and got a picture with our logo on a poster board with a Nobel laureate. Now, I'm not asking you to find a Nobel laureate, though, if you know one, that'll get your name in the podcast. But if you get the Longhorn Republic logo on the College Game Day screen, we will put your name against the Firing Smokey segment every week for the rest of time as we do firing smoky so every football season uh from here henceforth we'll have your name attached to it so again if you get the longhorn republic logo on your college game day sign and on tv shoot us a screenshot with you and proof that you are in the post you are the owner of the poster and we will put your name in the podcast and if you you take a sign in and it has our logo we're not saying you just have to put the logo please be creative Add it on with, with you know, a, a nice, clever saying. However you think you're going to get the people's attention. And hopefully everyone who listens to this podcast is familiar with the game day sign tradition. Um, I was on TV when I was in school once with um, Chase Daniel has arachpophobia with a giant spider uh, head for, for Brian Arachpo. So, so that's the type of cleverness that I think um, they are looking for. So um, what you want to do um, is you want to get something that will get you out there. And if you don't get on TV, you don't get shown, that's okay. Still take a picture where our logo is in it. That's the, the Longhorn Republic logo. You can go right to the podcast. You can you can get it off multiple sources. You know, right-click, save feed, as. Yeah. Our, our Twitter feed, yeah, that's a great place to get it. Save as. Put it on a sign. Hey, you might want to hand-draw it. If you're a good artist, that's great. Love to see it. However you incorporate it in, tweet us that photo. We'll give you a shout-out in the pod regardless. But again, to get that name segment, we need we need you on TV. We need to see it. We'll be watching. But if you get it on there and you can let us know and send us a, a photo, a screenshot of something of that, then uh, then that's how legends are made. That's all we've got for you this week. Uh, Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me at Kyle Carbon. You can find me at Texas Pregamer. Obviously a wonderful pregamer out this week for LSU. You don't want to miss that if you haven't checked it out yet. What are you doing with your life? Texas pregamer, the best satire non-football news about college football you can find on the internet. That was an incredible description. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodridge. Connect with the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can also find us on Facebook, Longhorn Republic. And you can always shoot us an email, Pod at gmail.com. We'll be back on Tuesday celebrating, hopefully, a win over LSU, giving you our recap. Thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time, hook them. Hook them to an O.